how else would you know that an open mouth kiss on a colleague is inappropriate? <laughs> it's a defense. I didn't have a learning module to, to teach me the right ways. Hi, I'm Andy. And I'm Roger. And welcome to The Middle. Where we try to have thoughtful conversations. About awkward topics. On our search to find The Middle. announced the death of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. I act as if God exists. Put your masks on. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Roger. Andy, how are you doing? We don't need no education. <laughs> I feel um, uh, education is never a waste of money. <laughs> we learned that at school. Um, open your books to um, <laughs> textbook to p- page thirty-five. Yeah. Uh, so what what are we uh, what are we talking about today? So we're actually exploring. I mean, we we have spoken about education in different ways before. Um, we've talked about. Uh, we've even had Teacher Will on. <laughs> Mister Will. Mister Will. <laughs> Will to you. Yeah, we had Mister Will on to um, even get a teacher's perspective working inside. The, our public schooling system. But today, I guess we're talking about education a bit more generally, and the heart of it really is posing, is education even worth it? <laughs> is education actually worth it, right? It's, it's seen as, um, it's held up in society um, as, you know, the pinnacle of what you should aspire to, being, you know, an educated society, an educated person, key to your success and your contribution to society. But really, what? Let's let's pull that apart. Like, is that actually true? And um, what are the things that are that are kind of guiding that? Well, I'm going to um, take my son out of school immediately after I've heard that inspirational um, speech. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess today we're going to try. Uh, maybe we'll fail. Maybe our education wasn't good enough to allow us to um, to endeavour. On the task, but the public schooling system strikes again. <laughs> but no, we're just like okay. So don't get between a politician, for example, and motherhood statements about how they believe in education and how they want to fund and support education and divert. I mean, what no, no. we need is more education, yeah. better education, um, education everywhere, lifelong learning. You know, yeah, and and just this this almost like it's this word like that's got this halo effect around it right yeah. but less phds let's- for all <laughs> i will not stop campaigning till every child has a phd <laughs> but let's let's unpack for a minute what it all is and how it adds some value or how it adds value and how it maybe doesn't add value so without getting too theoretical i think we should um set out some baseline concepts yeah. What when, when when we talk about education, what do you think of? Like, what what? How would you define like education as a thing? Like, what is it? Yeah, I I kind of think of it in terms like you know se- secondary, tertiary, like to you know so high school, university degrees, and then postgraduate studies, right? So I kind of define that under there, and then I suppose on top of that, I start getting into more vocational stuff like accreditations. Um, but but mainly the bulk of it, I think, for me is like our schooling system. So primary, secondary, tertiary, I guess is how I, I break it down. 
What about you? I, I, I like the concept of human capital, right? And this is the thing that um, economists would use to essentially talk about almost the corollary of physical capital in the sense that um, we have machines that can do things for us and we think of, of, of that and the contribution that they can make to our economy uh, as capital and then human capital being sort of the human variant of that or at least the, the human equivalent of that. So us being sort of productive individuals in the workplace but even maybe taking an even broader conception of, of it not just being an economic kind of GDP sort of thing um, but also thinking about like do we have like civilised people who are well-functioning that don't resort to crime and so – like for me, human capital is it's like we go through this education in our upbringing. Some of it's through like the formal institutions of education that you just mentioned. So, you know, primary, secondary, tertiary, vocational education. But I kind of see all like as this fungible sort of pool of human capital that you, you know, by the time you sort of enter the workforce, you have a certain amount of human capital and, and it, it speaks to your ability and your basically like how well you're going to fit into society, right? The, the education thing, it, it, the purpose of it is to contribute human capital. But I guess where we might go today is it doesn't always contribute to human capital. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, I, I think that the politicians are talking about more what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I must admit this is a bit of a weird one um, from my background and my influences because obviously coming from Asian heritage, the importance and the focus that is put on education is, you know, incredibly strong and singular, right, to the detriment of some other some other parts that probably make a, a well-rounded um, kid growing up, right? And so it kind of goes against my nature and upbringing in some ways to question education in that way. But I think today's going to be a good chat because we, we probably will look at some of those realities. And I think, you know, I always like to go quite personal to begin with. I mean, let me, let me ask you this, right? Like how much of school do you actually remember? <laughs> like, like literally Tell me, tell me if, if I had to get you to write down a list of things that you learned at school, like how much would you even remember? Well, very little, if I'm honest. So, and I think this is where I like the concept of human capital because it actually is broad enough to bring in like the less instructional stuff, right? So, if you ask me, in fact, I had this the other day, like I had someone at work, like a work colleague come to me and say, oh, my daughter is doing this this has this like exam or sorry, it has this assignment, right? It's a, it was a maths assignment. And do you know how to do this? I'm like, I have no idea what this even is. Like, this is another language to me. I don't know what, like, sure, I know that you think I would know this, but no, I can assure you I don't. <laughs> and I probably did learn it though, like at school, but I just I completely forgotten it. But I guess, um, so if you list, like, if you go through the curriculum of like all of the different touch like points that a teacher has to, you know, teach you, you know, this, that, the other thing right, in, in, in whatever subject we're talking about, very little recollection. But if, on the other hand, you kind of, you say, well, hang on, okay, you might not remember like trigonometry, but do you remember like how to do teamwork or like did you pick up skills 
like of how to interact with other people or did you learn discipline to complete a task or did you learn how to socialize mm. like that's where some of those no's start to become yeses yeah okay let's let's kind of explore that specific example because that's one that comes up a lot of the time it's like oh you know school the curriculum and it came up with our chat with will you know it's not about always the the application of what you're learning in the curriculum is the fact that you pick up these secondary life skills around you know dedication and focus and teamwork and um, problem solving and all these kind of things but let's let's look at trigonometry how exactly would you kind of sell a case that trigonometry gives you the ability to to pick up those other skills <laughs> like you, you mentioned you mentioned teamwork and other things like that yeah how you're well, looking at a textbook? Well, this is this. I'm not here to defend our current model of education. Right? No, no, but it's just it's just a question, right? Well, if I'm going to treat this as like a really softball, easy um, ball to hit out the the ballpark, I would say not at all. And um, it, it would be a controversial thing to say in 2023 that we overfund and overemphasize our education system, right? And that we should be doing less education rather than more, right? You would be as a politician. Gonski. <laughs> yeah, this is not how to win votes, right? If you have a look at it and you think, okay, let, let, let's let's go through the list of things that you learn at school and that and and work through what percentage of the population actually is still regularly using those tools, such that like it was worth everyone learning that thing. It's it's virtually like none of the curriculum, right? So we should be thinking like. Because, like, we have to remember, this isn't just about, like, oh, we've got to give kids something to do while their parents go and work, right? This is actually, like, incredible missed opportunity if we don't get it right because we're investing a lot of time and, and money to send these kids to these institutions every every day of the week. And, like, and, it, <laughs> and if we're not giving them the right things to be learning, then we're not really... And often, like, of course, you know, like, just, just to extrapolate this a little bit more, right, like, my son's in primary school, right, so we're, we're not yet to get to the trigonometry. But a lot of the things that they're learning in primary school aren't to set them up to learn things that they need in their adult lives. It, they're things that they, oh, well, if you miss this bit on down here, then you might struggle in year eight maths, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like if you miss this thing, you're... Like literally other than like basic, you know, lit numeracy and literacy and, and being able to read and all that sort of stuff. Like once you get beyond that point, it's it becomes like a much harder thing to be justifying, I think. Let's let's be honest, like school, public, public schooling, you know, well, number one is compulsory, right? So we're not talking about continuing to progress your your learning or whatever it is or your education or qualifications. And and but some of that is obviously about making adults productive as well, right? It's it's a form of childcare and supervision. Yeah, especially in the especially in the early years. Like let's yeah. let's not beat around the bush that part of that is a is a system designed to allow adults to be productive in the economy. Like I would be much more cynical than the average person on like some of the stuff that that follows. But like that said, basic things like can you read, write, and do basic math is like that is important right so i just can we just at least ring fence that side of it and that tends to come at the the younger age groups but um yeah it's just some of <laughs> some of the more um 
and socialization, right? Like yes. There's something yes. that incidentally you pick up at school. Yes. It's also very important, right? Like how to. Well, and, and that's what I was saying before, right? So if I, if I think about schooling and think about where the value is, it's not necessarily because you learn how to calculate, you know, force equals mass times acceleration in physics, but rather that you, you were in an environment with other peers and you had to learn in the playground to negotiate with them, you know, whose turn, who gets what turn when and create games with rules that you have to comply with, like all those social behaviors that actually happen organically without instruction, right? So, so can I ask you, and again, this is going back to some of uh, maybe maybe cultural differences between you and I, but when you were going to going through school, did you ever have, did you ever ask your parents like, like why? Uh, and like, did they ever try to give you a response of why school was important? Did they give you some kind of like tagline motherhood speech around it? <laughs> no, I don't think so. If, if anything, actually, and it might've been different if I was different as a student, but like, um, because I was always fairly compliant and, you know, did whatever I was supposed to do. Um, so, in that sense, like, my parents never probably had to give me that sort of rousing but even speech. When you were, but even when you were younger and, like, didn't want to go to school or something? Uh, I probably just went to school because it was the thing you had to do, right? So, I didn't, didn't even think of it as a choice. So, I guess, um, but, like, that said, like, just the contrast I would draw is that I do remember my parents empathizing with me kind of fr being frustrated at like, why do we have to learn this fucking thing that's so <laughs> obscure and, and just how is this even useful? And I, I remember getting like empathize, like empathy from my parents on, yeah, I don't know why they make kids learn that stuff. Oh, really? Um, yeah. That's so, cool. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to your folks. Um, well, because where I was going with that and um, speaking to some of, growing up with some of my um, Caucasian friends versus my Asian friends, it would be really different when that happened, right? So, the the white version of the speech would go something to the tune of, oh, son, let me tell you that, you know, school is so important. It's like the fabric of society is like learning is the most important thing you ever do. You need to keep on learning your whole life, you know, like that's the goal, right? And it's important to to learn and, and be knowledgeable like member of society and Asian parents would say something roughly to the tune of, if you don't do well at school, you won't get a good job. And if you don't get a good job, you won't be able to earn a good living and look after your family. And it was pretty much very simple. It was like doing well at school is not about some, you know, quest for self betterment or knowledge. It's about doing well on the test so you can get accepted to a good university and then get accepted to a good job. Like that, that was it. And it was very transparent. And I, I was given that speech as well. It's like, if you don't do it, you know, you're going to be broke. You're going to be destitute if you don't do well. So, I, I think this is a good sort of segue in, and kind of just to elaborate on that a little bit. Because um, at the moment, we've been a little bit pessimistic on education. But I think the, the clear fact of the matter is that, like, basically life outcomes of the kind you just spoke to, jobs, you know, standard of living, all that stuff, it, there's very clear links between those things and getting a good education. So, your parents and parents like, like yours are giving actually very good advice to say, you should care about your education, you should try hard, you should, you know, try and get good marks, you should go to university, you should, you know, all those things. That's very sound advice. But I think- where we can start to find some areas where 
that's a little bit actually some perniciousness in this, you know, in this whole story is when we start to think why that's the case. So before I, I kind of brought in this concept of like human capital, right? That like education should like help you be more productive or whatever. But when you start to like, when, you know, they've, they've tried to do the analysis on like, well, why is it that, you know, people earn more money when they have higher education? It's actually not because the education gives them more human capital. It's actually because it's like, it's a signal right, to the market. Yeah. It's the signaling effect that it has. And education signals, well, you know, not to oversimplify, but like predominantly two things. It signals here are the people who have studied the these things, so kind of know something about this thing. But it also signals like people who are willing to go through and have like succeeded to, you know, be endure, like if you go to university, like endure a university degree and all it, it, it takes to pass a university degree. It, it doesn't actually necessarily... The education itself doesn't contribute necessarily human capital, but it just allows employers to choose the people who are more likely to be successful. Yeah. And, and that's quite different and it's quite subtle. So, and the problem is, is like if we have this really expensive education system where it's not just like the cost is in the cost of paying universities and schools and all that, but it's also the time, right? This is time that people could be in the workforce learning yeah. skills in the workforce, like on-the-job skills, right? And is this the like the opportunity cost of, of doing it that way is so high it's, and it's, we, we push people into it. It's way higher than you think too, right? Like on the, on the surface of it, like take probably the most uh, egregious example of that, like the PhD, right? The, the kind of PhD students. They are at university for the better part of, you know, 10 years, right? Usually to achieve that doctorate, that PhD, sorry, and they don't pay any fees. The taxpayer f- pays the fees for their um, their PhD. There's a huge dropout rate. And um, like you said, uh, the opportunity cost of that eating into a lot of really productive um, earning years for them as well. It's an interesting space, especially when you get into the tertiary side, right? So I'm kind of like moving now from the schoolyard into universities and where this kind of signaling mechanism really takes flight because i mean it's the same thing right like if i were to ask you and well i kind of know because we've spoken about it before but like why did you choose to go to university instead of starting a business right and for a lot of people it would just be because i kind of know that that is an entry requirement to getting, <laughs> to getting a job right and, and i've got to do something i don't know what i'm going to do and i'm not ready to start a business i just came back from schoolies and i'm still drunk and you just kind of march your way into it but I guess the interesting thing that talking talking about like data and stuff like there have been people that study this thing, I suppose, called the sheepskin effect. And what that pretty much says is an observation that there's a significant wage and employment benefit associated to obtaining the actual degree. And degrees used to be written on the back of sheepskin. So that's why it's called the sheepskin test or effect. So basically it's saying that you know, when, when we look at the amount of years it takes to get a degree, you would kind of say if there is value, like you said, human capital in a three-year degree, then the people who choose not to, you know, take that final step in the in the third year to, to complete their degree should still have more value than those that never have one or almost just as much as the people who do, rather. And that's definitely not the case, right? It's like you either have the degree or you don't. And there's been lots of kind of like data studies showing that, right? So that really points heavily, heavily to 
benchmarking in the hiring process and signaling, like you said, um, rather than any kind of emphasis on skills and knowledge, which I guess is an issue for a lot of jobs. But I don't know, being in the workforce for now over you know a decade, maybe there's not. <laughs> like Maybe skills, maybe this lust and, and search for skills is actually not really what it's all about. Do you have any uh, reflections on yeah. your own? Uh, no, I, I have lots of <laughs> lots of reflections. I would make one observation, which is that like the people who are good in a workplace setting, like an actual real job, so people who are good, the reason that they're good often does not have anything to do with their education. It mm. has it's to do with their personality, their um, con- level of conscientiousness, their level of ability, to, like judgment, ability to navigate tricky situations their network like so how's like do do they know the right people like it's got absolutely nothing to do with even the compliments that they give you in the office right like when (laughs) when when they go oh that guy is a is a is a good operator or you know he's a gun or whatever it's nothing about like their education or their skills it's just about how they yeah how they kind of move and and work together with people to get an outcome right like yeah it's it's, in fact actually what i find more and more is that um people who are much more educated or come across very technical and boffany they almost get put down for it um and get placed in this kind of nerd boffany stereotype like it's something that's holding them back from actually achieving outcomes in the business world that's what i see do do you know i I actually it's funny you say that because i was listening to a podcast earlier today it was actually talking about AI and and um, like that was sort of thinking about like which kind of jobs like are, are most immune to sort of displacement from AI. And what it was saying is that like the only jobs that have had like or the only sort of category of, of workers who've had like really good wages growth in the last sort of decade or couple of decades have been- Only fan girls? <laughs> Um, yeah, yes, um, that's probably a new, new, new category. So, you, like, if you broadly categorize people into two camps, like people with good technical skills and good social skills, then the only it like the category that has done the best is 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 not like if you just have technical skills, you haven't done very well. If you just have social skills, you ha- also haven't done very well. But it's the people who have a bit of both that have done really yeah. well so the people who can portray to or, or that actually do know like a little bit about the stuff that they're you know they're talking about but they can actually make shit happen you know like because they've got the the social ability to you know and so that's the the area where where um people have earned, are earning more money and i just think that's so true like it, it's not um and, and in fact like you know it's like that old adage like there's nothing more dangerous than someone who knows you know, <laughs> who's smart, you know, like because you know the, if you've got like a narrow knowledge of or suite of things you know about, but you you can't then generalize it to other things. Like, yeah, you're not val- as valuable. Like, in all honesty, I'll never forget this um, this executive that I worked with, and it's going back like six or seven years now. So there's no issues around. Um, <laughs> identifying them or whatever but we were we were sent into a particular part of the business to achieve a certain change that resulted in a reduction of cost and he'd been given this target and he pulled me aside and said you know you're on the team that's going to help me do it but we've got this target and i brought in because i always get things done 
right? Like they, I'm, I'm the guy that they bring in when they've made a decision, they know it's going to be unpopular and they trust me to get it done. So you need to know that. And what I witnessed over the course of this project that ran for about 12 weeks was a masterclass, a symphony of perfection of how to use your position, your weight, your capital to get outcomes in the face of what I probably acknowledged was not the right way to do things. <laughs> in some cases, not even the right outcome. And I sat back from that experience thinking, this is actually what you need to achieve change. Like in any kind of system, you need to be given a mandate from above and you need someone that is willing to spend their capital, their expertise and their, their kind of energy to getting it done without question. Um, and it just really changed my opinion on like, I always have this idea of like the right thing is always the best thing, you know, like the best way to do something is what you should strive for the, the right way to do it. Don't waste time on work that you know won't have the outcome that you want. Right. And that all sounds good in theory, but when you're working in a business and a big, and you're changing, like swapping out cogs in a machine, you can't always think like that. Like you need to actually have the power, have people, have a team that can actually make an outcome work. And I guess, Politics is like that too, right? But um, like you said, none of that, that, that I suppose is the skill set that we're talking about, right? And then the question in my mind is like, in our education system, where do you get that? No, you didn't. From you know, that's what I mean, right? Yeah. But you could, you, you could potentially, but it's not present in that way. Well, this is the opportunity cost, right? So, like, I always think when contemplating like someone who has the choice of going to university and spending three, four, five years there, graduating with mediocre marks and um, not going to ever, sh like, show themselves to be the cream of the crop in terms of yeah. university graduates. And you contrast that with the alternate scenario where they just literally get a job straight away and they get experience in the workplace. They might they learn these things, these, these behaviours that you just talked about from yeah. they they like almost it gets coached into them or they observe or they you know role model the behavior out and they become actually much more productive because they're learning more on the job right and this idea that going to university or any education institution for that matter is better is a better training ground to learn skills you need in the workplace than literally being in a workplace is absolute like fanciful like you've got people like the people who teach our youth to prepare them for the workplace, people who have never worked in a workplace, they're <laughs> career academics who don't know what the real world is like. They are it's totally- not only that, It's not only that they don't know what it's like. And some of them do. Some of them have like forays into industry, but they willfully resist it because they don't fit into that. They are fundamentally unqualified for the job. And and now don't get me wrong, like I, I I think there's there should be a place such as a university dedicated to like advancing knowledge, human knowledge and like giving people the freedom to like specialize in these really niche things. But that's not what universities to our society are today. Like universities are viewed as like this this is the thing that's gonna prepare you for the workplace. And universities at, at the at the way they're structured, like completely flawed yeah. at that at that task. Look, and there's an acknowledgement here, and we're getting to it a little bit around this idea of like actual learning and acquiring of skills and knowledge versus a degree or a diploma or some kind of like accreditation. Right? There's a difference, 
and different jobs uh, have different sensitivities to it. Now, I will throw a shout out to actually my university course, which is a cooperative scholarship. And basically what that means is that a company sponsors every person that goes into it. And so there's a tight knit integration between the, the course and the university course and the content you learn and actually the graduate jobs. You actually work for a year um, in parallel while you go through university. And so there's a lot of presentations, a lot of kind of rubbing shoulders with industry. And I think that keeps you more accountable in terms of your course content because they sponsor, right? They, they pay, they pay for it. And if, if they're getting graduates that aren't meeting a base level benchmark of skills, they, they do complain and they pull out their, their funding. So I think that's a good way of kind of tying them together a little bit. Um, and I'm sure that that, you know, like that cooperative scholarship thing is, 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 uh, will continue to be more and more popular. Mm. I'm someone who actually quite, like, I do appreciate actually having places like universities where you, people can be dedicated to, you know, study things that the rest of, that, that actually are not relevant to the workplace. Like, I actually think that's, that's like part of our civilization that, that we should value, right? There's a certain cohort of people that that's suitable for. But I think this idea that everyone should go to university and everyone should go through that when really what we're saying is that, well, actually only like a small cohort of those people who go to university are going to stay in academia, but most people are going to go out there into other kind of jobs where they're actually not going to use anything they learn <laughs> in the university course. That seems very wasteful to me. And we're not even talking about like what kids learn at school or anything like that. We're just, just like focus on the university sector. This is like a sector that is funded like incredibly, like yeah. with public money. Go to any university campus uh, in the country and they are like rolling in cash, you know, and some of it's like international students and all that sort of stuff, but they're funded heavily from government too. So I just really feel like, they should be held more accountable in terms of are they really generating public value? And I don't think they are. And I think there's – and they shouldn't be benchmarked against what they do versus some universe where they didn't exist. They should be benchmarked against what we could be doing instead, which yeah, is things like – That's important. You know, putting people in more kind of like almost like what you've talked about or maybe putting people in specialised education where they're – learning very closely aligned things with with the jobs that they're going to go yeah. into. Well, let's get all let's get all management consulting on their ass for a second, right? <laughs> so, do you think if if there was like some mandate to say, look, you have a 3-year degree, undergraduate degree, and that's not going to continue. You're going to have we're, we're going to we're going to slash that. You're going to have a a 1-year degree with a 6-month postgraduate window. And we are going to trim the fat and push you through something more condensed. It's going to be slightly more challenging, more course contact hours, but that's what it's going to be, right? What do you what do you think? Like, do you think that they could squeeze in that learning into into a year instead of three years? I, I think this is where the tension between the university experience as like more than just the actual things you walk out, you know, like employability skills, right, <laughs> versus the- I'm sorry, I was working a, a corporate job <laughs> while I went to my uni. Well, like the university experience in, in quotation marks is like things like um, 
toga nights and uh, you know and um, <laughs> hazing, you know, uh, six month exchange overseas exchanges, and um, you know, only having to rock up to class, you know, yeah. two days a week, and the rest you can just do what the fuck you like at home, you know, not working very hard, you know, like let's be honest, like and. I, I don't know, well, you maybe have a different experience, but there's no way I worked as hard at university as I did during, like, year 12, like, at school, like, my final I year. I know, so why is that the benchmark? You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just like another staging area when really if, if, the, if the true nature of this is a signaling mechanism for employers to find out who the best are, wouldn't you want to do that? through a more kind of a higher paced, condensed, you know, less opportunity cost way? Well, because this is, this is okay, I, this is a nice segue into why it's actually, it's, it, <laughs> so we've talked about like the good, the bad, the ugly. Okay, this let's get to the ugly. So if it's I a signal. I thought we were going to talk about MBA sooner or later. <laughs> <laughs> if, it's, if it's a signaling device, right, the power of a signal is like, who is willing to do the like the most to prove that they're like the best? Like if it's just purely a signal for like general kind of are they switched on, then you could probably look at like let's say their their HSC or their final school marks, right? Yeah, or some IQ test. Yeah, so so that's all you all you would need for that. But the signal isn't just for that. It's for like how willing they are to like bend to the will of society and and the institution. How you know, how sociable are they? So, you know, 20, 30 years ago, if you had a bachelor's degree, the world was your oyster, right? Even just having the ba- a bachelor's degree of any kind was like meant you were hot shit in the labor market. Now, having a bachelor's degree is like basically worth nothing because what you really need is like an honors degree or a master's degree and to set yourself apart or really high performing marks. And now it's like shifting where like, no, no, you don't just need a, a master's degree or an honors degree. You need like, you actually really need like a PhD or you need, you know, it's like, so we have this, yeah. you know, credential inflation happening. Arms race. Right? Yeah, it's an arms race. So, so this is what's so flawed about all of those people who say, oh, what we need is more education so that we can help, you know, the most impoverished people and bring them out of, you know, their hard, their hard tough times. But actually like- who are the people who are having like these higher levels of education? It's those who can afford to sit in their fucking ass for like seven years after they finish school without actually earning a dollar, right? Because they've got parents who can bankroll them or they've, they can make it work some, some other way. Like a lot of kids and families need to go out and work. Like if they're from lower socioeconomic backgrounds, right? Because they, they like they, they don't live at home free, like rent free, right? They don't have their parents paying for everything for them. Yeah. And so, it actually entrenches inequality, right? Because the only people who can access that many years of additional education are people from privileged backgrounds, and that's entrenching inequality. I think it's actually even worse than that, though, Andy, because it's it's like it is here and it's even worse in America where you just borrow. So, you can't – you literally can't afford it, but you just go into such – incredible student debt that you're paying it off like doctors are paying off their student debt when they're in the you know like their late 40s or whatever i don't feel sorry for doctors sorry <laughs> <laughs> okay bad example you know what i mean right like so you accumulate that debt 
regardless of whether you can really afford well, but, it. But see, the debt is the thing that enables, right? Like, and and that's, the, that's the beauty of the system we've got here is that everyone can access government. For, like, you basically don't pay anything upfront for attending your university degree. And that makes sense. But your actual course debt- Only if it's worth something. You, well, but it's a, an income contingent loan, right? So you only start to repay it when you earn money, right? But it's, it's the other costs. It's the living costs. Like, how do you- I mean, I, look, I lived at home when I was at, when I was at uni. I didn't pay any rent. And I was working, but like that was funding sort of my lifestyle. But I mean, I, obviously, I'm not going to fall pregnant as a as a bloke. But what if I had not with that attitude? <laughs> what if I had a um a partner and and she fell pregnant at the age of twenty? I couldn't stay in education as long as I did. Having it as like a requirement to enter the workforce to do jobs that 50 years ago you didn't need higher education for is bad for people. It's not a good thing that now you need a degree for entry-level jobs. Like that is not a good thing. That's society like regressing like and becoming worse for people. And it would be different if you could say, well, yes, but these people are more productive because they learned how to fucking do like statistics or something, right? But that's just not the case. Like people don't apply that stuff in their yeah. day-to-day jobs today. So it's just the premise is completely flawed. All right. I want to I want to move us to something that is um very topical right now and it's something that you know you and I have both gone through. Um but it's very, very prevalent in, in my work. Um and that is this idea of corporate learning modules. Ah. Online learning. <laughs> online learning. Poke right? the bear. And um I, uh, and before I, before I went on leave to, to be a stay-at-home dad for the rest of the year, I had this anxiety-provoking kind of course list that was ticking away, and I had to do it, obviously, before, um, before I left on leave because they would all then expire, and then, you know, it goes up the chain, and all of a sudden, you know, if I, if I don't do my sexual harassment course, God knows what a liability I would be after working the company for God knows how long. Um, so, you know, I want to I get your take on... Um, online learning modules before I add, add my own my own experience in. Well, I think you know what my view is going to be, right? <laughs> but yeah, I, okay. So can, let's just call a spade a spade, right? None of these compulsory corporate learning modules that any of us complete are activities that we do because management genuinely believes that they help us understand something better. It's This is literally so that if some shit happens and some shit hits the fan, they can say, oh, well, we, we're completely free of any liability because we have this program where they have to do this course and see slide number 15 out of 42 says addresses this conduct that this person breached. And so, our we're to- like, this is 100% a compliance exercise. Uh-huh. But that aside, I do think it's worth saying just how bad and, like, poorly designed these things are and how naive whoever comes up with these things are to think that they're actually helping anyone and that that anyone is actually learning anything from these things. But but they have quizzes (laughs) at the end. Yeah. Well, I don't know about (laughs) you, but (laughs) if they really cared about the quiz, they would let they would make it that you get one chance, but when you can fail the quiz and do it again if you fail it, it's pretty much tacit invitation to just skip to the end and do the quiz, and if you fuck fuck it up, just do it again until you learn the right answer. Yeah. Like this is yeah, anyway, it's bullshit. 
Did I ever tell you about the um, my very, very first job actually through my scholarship course was with IBM. And um, I went to, back then, they actually took me in for a proper orientation. And part of the learning module was actually they took me into this dark room and there was like a booth and they wheeled out a old school um, CRT monitor and put in a VHS of the sexual harassment tape. It was glorious. It was from the <laughs> late 80s and it was this guy with a mullet like harassing women for like 25 minutes straight and then kind of being told a lesson. And just like, oh, now I know so much more, you know, not to call this woman sweet pea and, and stuff like this. Um, and it was amazing. I often think about that. Um, that was my first sexual harassment educational video. And uh, the guy looked like a, a bloated Bon Scott um, in a suit. It was amazing. <laughs> I will say, though, that like my online learning modules have been evolving. So now they don't let you skip to the end to the to the quiz. You actually it won't let you access the quiz until you've actually gone through each of the content sections. But you can and skip it though, right? You can no, go you can't. Sections. Even worse than that. But what, but what are you? Clicks. What's hol- but what's holding you up though? Like okay, so it's like a web page, right? Is it you got to watch videos or something? You got to watch videos and you have to click things. So they'll have annoying things where like they'll have these are the five principles of risk reduction. Uh, risk management and they'll have five kind of like boxes and you have to click on each one and or show a text and so you can't move on until you've clicked on all five and then click next uh, well i've got the same but i just usually just click 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 and then next yeah, right but they used to let you go straight to it like if they're like you know if you know this stuff you can go straight to the quiz and now they make you click through everything is all i'm saying now i want to talk about a new um a, the new kid on the block now, have you heard of the company Salesforce? Indeed. Indeed you have. But for those listening who haven't, it's a, it started off as like an online CRM, a customer relationship management tool, right? Um, a sales tool for, you know, who have you called, who are your customers, how are you helping them, how, how much have you sold them? And it's grown into essentially as big as any conglomerate could be and will soon take over the world. We'll all be paying for things with Salesforce dollars rather than real money. Anyway. They have this concept where they have gamified their education. It's called Trailhead, okay? And basically what it is is like a huge push around gamification for their online learning. And they have doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on this mechanism for learning to the fact where there are accreditations based on Trailhead courses, which are a string of online courses that build together, give you points, you get certain badges, you become ultimately what's called a ranger with a full uniform and everything when you when you finish it. They're really they're really into the theme. And the interesting thing about this, right? Because it sounds terrible, and it is, but the the interesting thing about this system is that they are starting to pivot away more from qualifications, external qualifications, to internal learning qualifications. So, for example, if you work in Salesforce and you're a developer, there are certain online learning modules you do to get certain online credits and degrees. And if you've done that as someone coming into wanting to work for Salesforce, they take more weight in that than some online course that you, some other university course you've done around coding. So it becomes almost like the digital resume. And that's interesting because obviously this stuff is all free. So it's kind of opening up education in a true sense that anyone can do it if they want to show the time and the conscientiousness. And also it is trying to be more honest to skill set learning. And so in a way, I can actually see it being a good thing um, that they have devised. It's like good and bad in the same way. 
trying to conquer the world bad, but actually focusing on someone who's actually learned real skills, good. And it's free. So I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on that as like this kind of digital resume rather well, than- Well, I, I think there's a fairly bright line though between that and the kinds of stuff we were talking about before where that's like- Vocational almost, right? Here's the things we actually want our staff to know because they actually be more productive in the job as a result of knowing it <laughs> as opposed to- well, we don't want to get sued for sexual harassment liability for, for, you know, conduct of one of our managers to a staff member. So, we'll just make every single person in the organization do this. So, it's not working. Like the, the difference is that um, one is genuinely private enterprise coming up with a model to actually uplift the human capital piece and another one where they actually don't care about human capital uplift. They just care about like liability reduction, right? There's different objectives. Yeah. And and just as as an aside, right, and I've had this thought with my son too, if I contrast the amount of learning that I've done, and I, look, I'm probably even less so than my son, right? But like watching YouTube videos, like how much stuff I've learned from YouTube videos, actual proper information and, pro- and even skills from YouTube is – it's massive, right? And in my son's case, I think, well, he, he goes to school, but like then he almost starts his second school where he comes home and watches YouTube because he's not just watching, you know, I don't know, like um, funny cat videos. He's watching like science experiments and, you know, like there's a lot of trash in there as well, but like he's watching like stuff that's kind of educational too or, you know, engineering stuff or um, I think I spoke on the podcast before about how he was watching like this stuff on like the Sydney transport system, you know, like and planning <laughs> and it's like this is kind of there's this other dimension of like learning that's happening that's not contingent on like formal education that's like co- totally undervalued. So, yeah. I guess I do think in the case of this this Salesforce thing you mentioned, like if you can get it right, like I, I'm very open-minded yeah. about that stuff. In fact, I think that's that's where it's at. That's where the actual Talk, learning happens. Talking about getting it right, have you heard of this thing called Crash Course? It's a YouTube series. Uh, no, I haven't. You've got to look it up. Anyway, it's a YouTube series that attempts to make learning fun. And I know that sounds like the cringiest thing you've ever heard, but when you look at this series, it's actually amazing. It's like, how do you get kids excited about ancient history rather than like how bad it is and the tyranny of dates in in schools? And this thing is a masterclass in how to make an engaging piece of educational um, content. Uh, And it shows like just how powerful it could be. Like I've, I've watched the Crash Course Ancient History series and it taught me a ton of stuff as an adult in a very entertaining way. And I can imagine if... Like you said, you get it right. The potential is just huge, right, for for people, for kids to fall in love with learning, which is important, right? Like that's the reason like we're doing this podcast as well, right? Like we, we're not just talking to ourselves over and over about things we already know. We're, we're exploring new things and we're learning. And I think that that means maybe the school system did something right or, or, we, or somewhere along the way we, we picked up something where we actually appreciate knowledge and the pursuit of knowledge right um so i think that there's a real big societal imperative to get this to get that right because i think that sets kids up in a series of chain events um that you know will you know we'll just keep on giving them rewards as they get older and older maybe just to finish off the episode i think we should talk about the future in terms of ai 
Oof. and education because to be like pretty damning of our education system, like it would take a certain kind of bureaucrat to sort of form the view that, oh my God, this thing, ChatGPT, like might mean it's harder for teachers to determine whether a student wrote their own essay or not. So what we should do, like the appropriate response is to like remove access so that our children do not get exposed to this new beastly, (laughs) you know, technology because it might create a few problems for our teachers when marking essays. Like, so let, let's like, that, that's a bit like saying, um, let, let's, let's just take the internet out of schools because no, you know, no kids, calculators. Kids, <laughs> kids might, um, you know, instead of going to the library and, and, and looking things up in, a, in index cards within books that they might find it more efficiently online. Um, like that to me is like, I, I was kind of outraged when they did that because like, I, I get, you know, <laughs> the concern about like, you know, whether it was plagiarized or not, but like, shouldn't, the, shouldn't the education system be adapting to like, and as quick as like new technologies, like AI come out, like should be, shouldn't they be saying, okay, well we better like maybe have a look at our archaic curriculum and embed this new technology into it quickly and maybe yeah. the, maybe we have an obligation to adapt the way we're teaching our kids rather than banning it like anyway yeah it, it is a bit mind-boggling how the adaptation takes place right and um and i'd be really keen to really understand the culture of those that create the curriculum right so you know in the same way that we spoke to will as a as a teacher inside the public schooling system i'd love to talk to someone who was more at the forefront of the curriculum right and like what does that (laughs) what does that department look like you know like how do how do they work what do they do like isn't that isn't that a really interesting outcome that we we know nothing about that as parents like who who's actually like when's the next education drop coming like we we kind of know when the next iphone is going to be released we don't even know when the curriculum is going to be like updated we're just not across it. We, we, there's too much and we, we don't prioritize it. Maybe we should. But I think that in reality, what will happen is they'll just keep on making new AI tools to, to do it for them. <laughs> like, they'll, make, they'll make an AI bot to help improve the curriculum. Um, they'll make an AI, AI bot to, to detect plagiarism. You know, and and they'll just kind of build these kind of things, these, these, these algorithms and tools to help them fine tuner and that's how it'll get integrated you know um rather than all these these other ways but we're trying to outsmart them so from all of this andy are you going to be um are you going to sit your son down and have a good hard talk about um tertiary education <laughs> <laughs> well but see this is the thing like i'm not going to say like it's all a load of bullshit because i don't quite agree with that statement but like a lot of it is bullshit right? <laughs> i do agree with that statement but I would still say to him, your best in your best interests, you should be trying to go to university. And that's unfair. Like that's unfair to the like the really competent, capable people who didn't go to university. Especially when like, you know, the equivalent of a calculator today is like AI. Like why why do we need to spend years and years and years studying really highly technical stuff that we probably won't remember anyway? So we can, you know, approve insurance claims. You know, this is the kind of world we live in today and i don't think it's um 
it's it's upside down and i think we uh yeah we should we shouldn't um it's not this sacred thing that you know thou shall not um offend or 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 criticize education Um, do you think there'll be a counter-revolution well there kind of has you know look at silicon valley and all the um the most successful entrepreneurs from silicon valley they all have like the classic story of I spent a year in Harvard and then I realized I was wasting my time, so I left, and, and mm-hmm. now I'm a billionaire. <laughs> like that's those stories are a dime a dozen in in Silicon Valley. So you know, I think that goes a long way to um, and actually just thinking about like other ways people are educating themselves. Like you know, I think there's far more effective and efficient ways to educate yourself in 2023 than there were even when we were um, coming of age. So. Yeah. You know what would be a really good thought experiment? We shut down all the schools. Every single kid is homeschooled and then see what happens. Oh, wait, we did that in COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but, but seriously, though, like, imagine that, right? Like, all you had to rely on was your parents for your primary and secondary education. YouTube. It would be YouTube. It wouldn't be your parents. Like, the future wouldn't be your parents would instruct you. The future would be that you sit just watch eight hours of YouTube every day. And you probably would look a little more to be. Maybe maybe listen to the middle once or twice. (laughs) Alright, see ya.